I hope you're excited and getting ready for just that because, hey, this 40-week journey is not going to end with some kind of parking stall. We're going to end it with a launching pad. Uh, So be getting your heart ready for where this is really heading. Um, Well, well, hey, I was uh, was at the gym this week um, doing what I hate most (laughs) as far as exercise is concerned. And I'm actually not sure that there's any form of exercise is actually enjoyable. Um, in, in my mind, there's like two categories, right? There, there are sports, and then there's exercise. Uh, one, one is a, a game and fun, and you get together with your friends and incidentally get some cardiovascular activity. Uh, the other one is a chore you have to put up with so you can continue eating carbs and cheese. Uh, I'm at a state of life now where competitively I uh, no longer fit into the former, so now I have resorted to the latter, and uh, this Tuesday I found myself swimming laps in a pool. You want to talk about boring. It doesn't get any worse than, than swimming laps. It's just back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. They don't even put anything interesting on the bottom of the pool while, while you're staring at it. Talk about 30 minutes of mind-numbing activity. Like, if you'd give me a chair on my patio and let me watch grass for 30 minutes, I'd have more fun than, than actually swimming in a pool. But, but there I was, and uh, in the middle of the swim, and I get done, and uh, this gentleman, would you believe, compliments me, at the end of it all, on the strength of my freestyle stroke and form. Wasn't that nice of him? Right? Now, now before you get... To impress, understand that this man uh, was in fantastic shape, but he was also 30 years my senior. So I would hope that he would look at me and say, now, hey, that, that, that kid's kind of fast by comparison, right? Uh, it didn't keep him from going on and on, though, about like, hey, you, you swim competitively, man? Like, like you in a triathlon? Is that what you're working on? Or, you know, my chest is all getting puffed out. Or maybe at least in high school, like, were you competitive back then, swimming for a state something or other? I'm like, no, no, hold, hold on, Okay. I was on a swim team for five years in elementary school. That, that's it, okay? But uh, apparently, I, I, I was sticking with it long enough that now the strokes stay with me. What you stick with stays with you. Isn't that kind of funny to think about? Like 30 years of my life have gone by since that time, but because I stuck with it long enough, five years, that the, these, these strokes and the, the form and just what to do when you get inside a pool, it stays with me to this day. And it, it kind of got me thinking, how many places in life are like that? That what you stick with stays with you. I was, I was thinking back to my, my 20s. I, I, I read a lot of Christian nonfiction books. Like tons of it for like like that whole decade. Like I was in as many non-Christian, excuse me, non-Christian, <laughs> non-fiction Christian books. There's a difference, right? Um, as I could, and to this day, it stays with me. A lot of the sermons and words that I share with you on a Sunday morning, I'm convinced, goes back to stick with and reading, stick with sticking with those books that time. What you stick with stays with you. Um, I'm coaching youth basketball here in Muskego for uh, I think nine years now. I've been sticking with it that long. Different teams, different ages, like through, through, through my boys. And uh, it's amazing how much stays with you because of that. Like I was in the, the, the weight room the other day, and a kid that I had coached three years ago was there throwing some real weights around on the bench press. I'm like, oh, man, you're doing fantastic, bud. Can't believe how far you come. I, I come in here on a, on a Sunday morning, and some of the kids I know here are because I, I, I coach them 
four years ago, and now they've become a part of the church. There's other kids who've been a part of the church for years before, and I'm like, come on, man, you can come out for basketball. And, 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 and there you are, and there you're playing, and, and, and it's fun, right? To the point which I go into a grocery store, and aisle number two, someone says, hey, Coach Brian. I look around, and I actually know the kid's name from coaching him six years ago. There's just some stuff that stays with you. What you stick with stays with you. And I, I bet you could say the same of yourself. Couldn't you? Like, like, like just think back to your childhood and what, like some childhood aptitude that you picked up, whether it was your choice or mom's choice because she kept signing you up, I don't know, but things like music or the arts or math or literature or shop or design, whatever it is you were into back then, if you stuck with it long enough, it probably stays with you. Even now. Uh, so certain uh, angles on life that you picked up along the way, you, you stuck with that angle on life, and now it stays with you. So now, like, you're the, you're the person with the competitive nature, right? Like, no matter where you go, it's always competition, because you, you're just stuck with that. Or maybe you're the person um, um, who's got the helping nature. Wherever you go, you are the helping person. You stuck with that long enough, and now it stays with you. Maybe you're the person who's always known for being thoughtful, it's just become who you are. Maybe you're the person who's always got the grit. You, you, you tough it out. You get it done. Someone wants something done. You, they hand it to you. Maybe you're the enthusiastic person. They, you, they can always count on you to be the, the life of the party and the fun. Maybe you're the people personality, like the one that just does the one-on-one conversations. Whatever you stuck with now stays with you. Same thing with a career, right? You know, at some point, uh, uh, instead of summer jobs and things like this, it becomes a career that you stick with. And whatever it is you stuck with as a career, it now stays with you to the point at which, like, it's, it's hilarious watching some of you retire on a Friday and then go back on Monday and do something that looks exactly like the job you retired from on, on Friday. Why, why is that? It's because what you stick with stays with you. We all have these moments in life where something clicks. And maybe we didn't even hear the click, but we went after it anyway. There was like a line in the sand. We crossed it. And after we crossed it, we, we never went back. Something just told us we have got to get this one done. We have got to follow through. There's no turning back after this. Maybe, maybe it's because uh, um, that it just felt like the right thing to do. And, and so you followed through and stuck with it. You're like, it would be wrong if I didn't. Maybe you were just having fun. Like, this is just what I enjoy, and so I'm going to stick with it all the time. Maybe it was too expensive not to follow through, like, like college, right? That's like a really expensive four years if you're not actually going to finish your degree. So you stuck with the classes and you got it done. Maybe you stuck with something because you, you had the people support behind you. People loved you. People believed in you. People got behind you. And you just with them pushing you the whole way, you got the strength to do it. Maybe you stuck with it because it was your dream and you and, and it's what you always pictured. There's some of you I know who have like started business ventures and didn't get paid for the first year. One, one gentleman here I know in particular like had to take out a loan way back when to buy Christmas presents for his family the first year into that business venture. But because he stuck with it year after year after year, he has like one of the most successful businesses you could ever imagine. What you stick with stays with you. How many marriages in the room? And I, some of you have shared your story. Like, it, it was in a bad spot, and you could have you left your partner. Like, they're on the curb. Like, they, they deserved it. But because you chose to stick with the marriage, now the marriage stays 
with you, even simple things like serving, whether it's brewing a cup of coffee on a Sunday morning or working with kids in the dock. Like you said, this, this, this is worth it. This makes a difference. And so you stuck with it, and now it stays with you. You don't even, you don't even realize you're on the schedule every week. What you stick with stays with you, and that's what, what makes all the difference. Now, appreciate on this thing we've called the 40-week journey that we've been on as, as a church. Uh, after all the sermons, this is like week 34 of 40, congratulations. After all the sermons and all the series, after all the challenges, the take-homes, the books, all, all that that we've given you. I'm guessing like some of you are backing up right now like, it, it didn't work. <laughs> I, I didn't change. It didn't make a difference. I guess I'm just not... A disciple maker, I'm not cut out for this. But listen to this. What, what you stick with stays with you. And you've experienced these other moments in your life where you said, this one counts. This one's I got to keep following through on until it works in my life and carries in with me to other places. I think that's the kind of moment we need now on a disciple maker journey together where the question is, is, is not about what are, what are you going to do one time? So what are you going to do a hundred times? The question isn't what's working for you. It's what are you going to keep working at? You know, Jesus in the, in the scripture talks about how um, to build your life on a rock uh, with him. It's, it's not just being a hearer of the word. It's, it's being a doer. It's the ones who put it into to practice. And there's some aspects like we're like, man, I, do, I would like to get a, a rock underneath me with Jesus. And the big rock we've been trying to move for for. 34 weeks on and onward right now is this these four words from Jesus, go and make disciples. That's one big command of Jesus, one big direction of Jesus, one thing that he has told us in words that we don't want to just be hearers of. We want to be people who put it into practice and to practice it enough that it becomes solid and our life is anchored on it and we can build other things around it. In other words, to stick with it long enough. Until it stays with you. That's the person who builds their house on the rock. Otherwise, the words of Jesus just keep coming and going. It's like, like you ever seen a house built on sand? You, you, you want to take out a loan on, on that thing? It just doesn't work. And, and so what we're heading towards is a, is a turn. Uh, a no turning back turn. That we'll, we'll practice this thing and do it two, ten, a hundred times, as many times as we need to, until it becomes who we are, regardless of whether it looks like it's working right now. And toward that end, what I'm going to do today is take you to a handful of some of the most riveting lines of Scripture that, that, that I'm aware of. Um, riveting might even be, like, weak on it. These, these are inflammatory texts. This is stuff that, like, you... you you touch it, you're going to get burned. They're just that big, that hard to take in. But I think it's the kind of text that push us past this line to give us our moment of saying, I'm actually going to follow through with everything we've been talking about and playing around with together as a church for 40 weeks. So here, here we go, all right? Uh, I'm going to give you two lines and one story from three different people in the Bible. Here's the first one. Uh, it's from a man named James. This is Jesus' brother. Interestingly enough, James, Jesus' brother, didn't always believe in Jesus, didn't always follow Jesus. I don't know. Would, if, if, uh, if your brother kept saying he was the son of God, would, would you? I don't know. So it wasn't working out for James until Jesus comes back to life, and James is like, all right, I'm all in. Uh, that's, that's all I needed. 
Um, and this is what it sounds like when a guy's all in. James 2. Show me your faith without deeds. And I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even demons believe that. And shudder. So, so sometimes it's, it's way too easy and, and way too limiting to, to like turn the test into a one question. of Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins on the cross? He is your Savior. True or false? True. Ah, ding, ding, ding. We, we have a winner. And, and, and there we're done. Okay? So here, here's the deal. If Jesus is the Savior, he is the Savior of all things in your life, not just the things that happen after your life is over. And so to truly believe in him, it, it will take over every aspect of who we are. It will renew, restore, revise. Jesus is going to get in there and pull all things back to himself. That's how much he saves us. And so in the words of Jesus... Um, is when you go there with that kind of faith, then you'll go where Jesus goes. And you will do what Jesus does. You will follow through as his disciple on the things that Jesus followed through with. And one of the biggest things that Jesus did in his lifetime was make disciples and then turn around and commission you and I to go make disciples. So if you do not go there or do that, you are no more of a believer than a demon. That, that's, that, that's James' words. That, that, that's big. That, isn't that flagrant? Like, I'll just take that in for a second here. Because you see, demons, uh, they, they know Jesus. They, they actually know Jesus really well. And they believe Jesus is true. They believe that Jesus saves. They believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that, that he does take away sins by what he did on the cross. The demons got all those parts down themselves. What demons don't got is follow through. What they don't have is surrender. They don't follow Jesus anywhere. Instead, they go their own way or they take to an angle that takes down what, what Jesus is all about. And, and so, do you want to be better than a demon? Do you want to be better than a demon? And if so, then we follow through. We go where Jesus goes. We do what Jesus does. And we say yes to whatever Jesus tells us to. Whatever you stick to stays with you. He just knows some information about Jesus. The, the, the whole spiritual cosmos knows stuff about him too. The difference is what you do with it. Okay, that was the first one. Anyone uncomfortable yet? That one feel weird? All right, hold, hold on. It doesn't get any better on number two. All right, second riveting statement I'm going to share with you. I'm going over to John. John is the one who talks about Jesus' love more than anybody else. Uh, G, G, John has just got like this highlighter out. And any story or instance uh, that could be told of God, it's like he highlights the love of God in the middle of that story for us. John relishes in the fact that he is the disciple whom Jesus Loved, And it was just like, that That was his thing, that was his bent. And so these words I'm going to share with you, they're, they're the words of Jesus, but, but, but they're, they're, they're crafted in, 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 the, in the way that John most was captivated by Jesus. John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my 
commandments. And, and so again, you got to understand the commandments of Jesus are not aimed at just being less naughty of a person. I don't know why we break it down to that small of a thing. Anytime Jesus said, "Here, what's the big deal? It's love God with all you got. That's my commandment. Go love your neighbor as yourself. That's my commandment. Go into all the world and make, make disciples of all these nations. That's, those are my commandments. And so, and so here it is, like in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, that if you are not resolved to follow through on the things that Jesus commands, like, like making disciples, then do not say that you love God because you don't. Is that too harsh? Like, is it, am I taking it too far? Is, if someone has an easier way of reading these lines, if you can make a bigger cushion around this or like well, water it down in some sort of way that this is more palatable, please let me know. Because the potency on this is like, it's hard to take a drop of it in. But that's, I don't know how else to read this. That it's what you stick with is what stays with you. That you can't just like talk the talk of like, oh, I love God, I love God, worship his songs, and it's, it's just so fantastic. But I don't actually get around to following Jesus where he goes. It's, it's just not love. It's just not. So I'm going to give you a couple of clarifications, okay? I'm going to back it up a little. Because I don't want you to go to the wrong extreme with extreme statements like this. They, they are extreme, and Jesus is intending to take you to an extreme place with it, but you just got to make sure it's the right one. So if you rewind back to uh, James's line, if you could put it back uh, on the screen for me here and leave it up there, um, where James lines about how you better have better faith and better deeds uh, than a demon, um, that is not taking you out of a gospel faith. That is designed to push you into a deeper gospel faith. All of us either have or are still in the middle of, of, of trying to work for our salvation. Okay, like, we, we don't like handouts. Okay, we, like, we, we want to earn what we have. We want to work for what we get. That's all of us, right? Like, when anyone say, nope, uh, I'm, I'm just like when whatever freebie line is out there at all times. No, it's, it's American at some point, right? And if it's not American, it's just, just human to, to work for what you get. And so the natural tendency is all of us go through this process of trying to work for what we get with God. The, the problem is you, you, you never get there. You never get far enough. You, you accumulated too much baggage along the way. Like, like you lost at this game. You're, you're a loser. Just like me, just like everyone else, what we need is a winner, a winner who won so well that he could win the salvation for the rest of us who, who join his team. And that's what we got in Jesus. So don't you dare take a line like this and say, oh, now I better go run around and, and, and do a bunch of stuff and earn a bunch of stuff. No, like you take a line like this and, and instead of eliminating the need for a Savior, you cry out even louder for a Savior, Jesus, save me all over again. Not, not, not just on the heaven and the hell part and everything for all of eternity, but save my life right now. Like, Take the unloving person I am and lift it back up into the love of who you are and take what's dim about me and turn it back into your light to the world. Help me use words for you and help me to live like you and just like, just save me. That's what James 2 is supposed to do to us. Not, not to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. All right, secondly, uh, John's line. John, John's line, uh, very, very similar. Here, uh, notice what, uh, what he says. He, he doesn't, say, um, doesn't say that the God won't love you 
if you don't keep his commandments. So, I don't know why, but sometimes like people take a line like this and then we do this. It's not even a reverse. It's just not out there. The, the one thing that's given in this equation is God's love for you. There's nothing you can ever do that will take away from God's unconditional, irrevocable choice to love you. God's love is always coming in your direction. That's a given. Okay? And, and so what, what we're talking about here is if you are being called out by God on anything here, it's being called out further into his love. Not to just dress up what's on the outside. Not to just dress up what you do. He, he, he wants to, to put his love into your heart so you can be more loving to the person you married. He wants, you to put, he wants to put more love and transformation in you so that you love your neighbor as yourself. He wants to put more love in, into you so that as a disciple, it's just natural to, to be a disciple for Jesus out there. He wants to put enough of his love into you that you can start making disciples for him because you just know Jesus so well in your love. There's no point in here that this line is asking you to be a better hypocrite and to, to, to dress it up on the outside. He's not attacking the outward stuff. He's saying, I'm taking you back deeper with my love. So that all the outward stuff can happen. If the outward stuff isn't happening, that means I'm going to push you back into my love. So you, you see what these texts are doing? Don't, don't hear what they're not saying. They're, they're pushing you into more gospel. They're pushing you into more faith. They're pushing you into more Savior, more of finding his love, more of experiencing his truth. And, and all of that it's, it, is where the follow-through happens. Following through on, on the faith and the love that God puts inside of you is what creates the stuff on the outside. And when you stick with that long enough, then it stays with you. One, one, more, uh, one more story. Okay, I told you there'd be two lines and, and then a story. Um, here, here we go. Uh, this is Jesus in Matthew chapter 21. It's a fictitious story. Uh, it's called a parable. Uh, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered, like many of your teenage children do. But, but later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two sons did what his father wanted? At this point, you've got to be like, is it like a trick question? Like, am I missing something here? And then, and then the, the first, they answered. And the they in the story is the Pharisees, is the religious experts in the law, the ones who know all the things, ins and outs of, of God. They're the ones who are like, well, yeah, it's obvious. Like, you'd rather be the guy who, who, who said you wouldn't and ended up following through and did it in the end anyway, regardless of what your first posture was. And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. The pimps, the street workers, the promiscuous, the cheats, the embezzlers, all those people will get there into what, what I'm all about before you will. Is that nuts? 
They were fuming over this. They were, they were angry. They were, they were offended. Like, God, here's how I picture it, right? Like, this is not how it actually is. But God's got some kind of gate, and all of God's stuff in his kingdom is behind that gate. And there's a long line out in, in front of it. And with all these people that are lined up, the line is, like, kind of stalled out. I don't know what's going on. Is it, is it full in there? Or are they too busy? They weren't expecting the rush or whatever. And, and so they're, like, standing there in that line. And then in the middle of it, like, hey, the... the the, the last people you'd ever think, the least people you would ever think, like some, the, the ticket taker turns around and is like, hey, are you guys back there? What are you doing way back there? Come on, come to the front of the line. You're next. You're making it up here. And, and, and the people who read over the things of God and professed the things of God, the one who said, I will say yes to you, Jesus, when you go where you go, they got passed up by the ones who were saying no all along with their lifestyle. Then on one simple day, they said, sure, but meant it and followed through. And they passed it up. And here's what I want you to know. Like when we read the Bible, the Pharisees are always the bad guys, right? It's like, oh, yeah, the, the, the hypocrites, the, the ones who never get it. Um, I think, at least for a minute, we got to like put ourselves in the shoes. Of maybe, maybe that's what God intends. Us. And this, we think th- those are those guys, right? For a minute, maybe you're supposed to think, maybe, maybe I'm one of those guys. Like, like, can we pause for a moment and ask, like, is the life that we're living really the life that Jesus was all about? Does this look like the Christian life as Jesus meant it to be, the People in my neighborhood right now, can they say that there's something good in their life because I live on their street? And wouldn't be there if a Christian like me wasn't there. Can the, the people in my workplace, are they more loved because a Christian like me is there? Or, or am I just another one of these people? Like, like students and, and in your schools, can, can the people in your classroom say, like, there is more light in this school instead of dark places because a follower like me that follows Jesus, we're, we're here. Can the people who know your family, do they know Jesus better because your family? The people who know you, do they get an opportunity to walk with Jesus where Jesus goes because you keep walking with Jesus where he goes and you make the invitation around him? Do we have a kind of follow-through in our life that is indicative of the life of Jesus or are we stuck in a spot where we keep saying, yes, 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 Jesus, and we don't actually move. I confess, uh, my, my best friend in Muskego here, my best friend in Muskego who doesn't go to Lake Point Church, I picked up my good friendship with him five, six years ago. It was in a time where I was, I was kind of hurting. Like some Christian friends that I had were making life an unsafe place to me. And so there's something that kind of clicked in me. And I'm just like, I'm just not going to talk with Jesus about this friend. I kind of like keeping it superficial. I like not going to spiritual places. It's safer for me right now. And so my best friend outside of this church, I barely say anything about Jesus to him. Uh, I, I confess that I, 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 don't, uh, I, don't, I don't treat the, the pile of acquaintances in my life as often as I should. Like, like, like maybe something amazing of the kingdom of God is about to happen in their life. I, I know a lot of people in town. It just happens when, when you're a parent with three active boys, uh, when, uh, when, when you're a sports coach who's 
now now coach like 14 teams and over the course of nine years or when you're a small business leader in the community which they kind of call the church that and like I like I know a ton of people. You, I can't help but not to. Like 100, 200, 300 people. And you think like 300 people later that this week I would have some assumption that God is about to stir one of their hearts towards him. And maybe I get to be the one to introduce them to that. But instead, I'm like, isn't the weather great today? And how about the Bucks? How are they going to do in the playoffs? My soul's not the one burning with the thought of what's the kingdom of Jesus about to do next. I confess that even friends in my missional community, the people that have already said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, and Brian, I want to follow with you together. Let's, let's do this thing. Let's go after him. Week after week, so many times, I'm more concerned about loving them with where they're at than loving them towards what God has for them next. It's just easier. I, I, I confess. Like, I, I, I confess that in this 40-week journey, I have recycled more old stories, more of my old stories as being a disciple-maker than I've created new stories in our 40 weeks together. And that, that makes me the hypocrite. That makes me the religious leader in the story. That, 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 that tells me that, that, that someone who's the, the, the least interested, who's been saying no to God their whole life, like a, like a prostitute even, could, could say yes and actually mean it and just like pass right ahead of where I'm at. Um, so, so picture this, okay? Like, picture someone handing you your, your, your first musical instrument or uh, actually, like, no, how about, how about a bike, Okay. Picture someone handing you your, your first bike. We've all tried riding a bike. I don't think everyone's tried an instrument before. You're four years old. Uh, the, the, the thing's shiny. The thing's new. It's, it, it, it's, it's from the store. And you've seen other kids ride around the, the block, and you're excited. You get to be one of those kids. And uh, it, it, it looks fun. It looks like a good time. You get out of your bike, get a couple pedals in, and what happens? You make it? No, you're off the bike, either in the ditch, or that'd be the lucky version. You're probably on, uh, on the pavement, and now, now your hands all scraped up, and your knees got gravel buried in it. What do you do next? Say, Dad, take the bike back. Just like return it to the store. This The, the bike doesn't work. I gave it a shot. It's, it's just not happening. Or nope, I'm... I'm the failure. I guess, I guess I'm never going to be a bike rider like everyone else. So, like, where, where's the dumpster? Let's, let's just toss this thing out or put it in the garage or let it collect dust. This just isn't for me. Or do you get back on the bike again? Maybe with some training wheels this time. Does anyone make fun of you for wearing training wheels? And the training wheels come off. You try it again, you scrape your knee again, and you're like, okay, now, now it's time for quits, so now, now mom and dad are going to shame me because I'm not good enough at riding my bike. Now, now the other kids in the neighborhood are going to laugh because I, I fell a second time and a third time or a fourth time. Do you know, you know what? Anyone's looking for you? So are you going to get up and do it again? Are you going to stick with riding the bike long enough until it stays with you? 
whether it was one time or two times, five times, ten, by the time you get up to a hundred times, like you, you will never forget how to ride a bike again after that. I guess what I'm saying is if you did that with a stupid bike when you were four years old, just like everyone else did that, can we not do the same with the Son of God when he says, you can, in fact, go out and make disciples. I've given you my counselor. You will receive strength when he comes upon you. Go make disciples. Get on the bike a second time. Get on a third time. A five time. It doesn't matter how many times. What matters is that you stick with it. And when you stick with it long enough, finally it'll stay with you. That's it. That's that's all we're talking about. And and, and there comes a point. There there are no more sermons that I have to share with you on this. No no steps, no challenges. Like there is no one else can hold your hand into a, a deeper life. This church cannot mature your faith in Jesus. At some point, the, what you got to work with is sitting in your lap, and it's whether or not you're going to take it into a decisive moment of follow-through, of I'm going to keep going in this direction, I'm going to stick with it until it stays with me. And, and that's what these commissionings are all, all about. And the band, you guys can come on out here. That's I know I'm talking longer than I'm supposed to, but... Uh, all right, that's, that's what these commissionings coming up are all about. We're, we're going to bring you up on the stage and, and pray for you. Just like you were one of those missionary trips going out to Peru that are being sent out across the world to make a difference in someone's life. We're going to actually get you up on the stage one of those Sundays. And, and if, if that's your commitment to be a disciple maker for Jesus, we're, we're going to pray for you and we're going to send you out. I know some of you that makes you nervous, like you're not the public person kind of kind of thing. Well, in, in theory, you're not going to be the only person, but number two, I, I, don't, I, I don't care, <laughs> right? Like, you, you need this moment where you say, yeah, that, that was it. I chose to be a person of follow-through. I chose to take the words of Jesus and put them into practice until they became like a rock underneath me. If that's you, if that's where your heart's at, then you got two weeks to pray it through. And then we're going to start a series of those four different commissionings in those five different areas. And I pray you get there. Because what you choose to stick with is the kind of stuff that stays with you. And a lot of us got a lot of life to live with Jesus still. And if we can catch this early on on and live the rest of our lives out of being disciple makers, our journey with Jesus would be the better for it. Got one last song for you. Can I ask you all to sing? Stand and sing with us today as we close out our service.